I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Three, two, one, boom. Bars to Letty. Hey, I, <clears throat> I have a thing. It's funny. I think you're, as I look at you, I think you're very... You're hugely underrated in what you do, bro. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate and, that. And as I see how you maneuver and stuff, man, you got a lot of you got a lot of skills, man, that a lot of people don't, I think, are sleeping on you. But before we get to that, the election stuff. It's hard to be a day today and not talk about it. How does Chicago feel? How do you feel about it? Are you like confused? Are you like this is crazy? How do you feel? Uh, I mean, from a from an Illinois standpoint, it's pretty par for the course. We've been, you know. We've been, you know, you, you kind of always know what's going to happen here. So, uh, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I went to bed last night and I'm, I'm, I'm a gambler naturally. So I was watching the odds, you know, and I saw the odds yesterday and, and they shifted in uh, Trump's favor so much. And then as, as the day went on, it just shifted back. So it was interesting. I, I feel, uh, you know, I, I feel fine, you know, whichever way it goes, like I'm, you know, I'm here to support America. So, you know what I mean? That's, that's kind of where I'm at. You mentioned gambling, dude. What's your favorite thing to gamble on? Are you a are you a sports guy or do you like more table games? I like the tables, man. I do. I know Barstool is very big in uh, you know the sports realm right now, and I don't get me wrong. I like sports as well. I do. I do a lot of sports gambling, but I'm a tables guy. I like to go Friday nights with my friends. I like to go out there, Miami. What do you guys got? The uh, what's that one? It's in Hollywood, right? Dude, we have that, but the reason why we can talk gaming is for four in a four-year run, Eddie, I was probably the most powerful host that didn't own a club in Las Vegas. Oh, really? So I lived at the I ran a I was the director of customer development for a club a club called Hyde and the Bellagio. And I live at the Aria. So, dude, I had at that time, that's why I'm interested in you getting your perspective on this. The highest theoretical player in Vegas was my guy. Mm -hmm. So you probably know what theoretical play is. You know what that is, right? Uh, explain it real quick. Sorry. Okay. No, no, this is good. This is good. Theoretical play. So Vegas and casinos rate you on two formulas. The higher the hand you play plus the longer you play. How long, yeah. Equals how valuable you are for comps and stuff to the casinos, mm -hmm. to the hotels. At that time, my guy, Peruvian dude, He's the highest theoretical player in Las Vegas. He played roulette and averaged 330,000 a spin. So that was my guy. So now I want to hear, because I love, 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 love your world, bro. I want to hear what's your game? What's your table game? Dude, so I've got into everything at this point. So I started out in roulette. I feel like roulette's a great game to start at. If you want to hit the tables, it's so easy, right? 35 to 1, you put it on a number, you put it on red or black, you lay it on the pipe, you lay it on one of the side bets. 
roulette is a great spot to start. I think if you're in, a, if you're a new gambler, but then, you know, as you stay there, you're like, ah, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of over this. Like I, I'm tired of watching the wheel spin, you know? So then obviously blackjack, you kind of get into it. You try to learn the, the basic formula. You hit here. You don't hit here. The basic strategy. All right. Let's talk blackjack. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah, blackjack. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> in the blackjack world, what people don't understand what blackjack is. The reason why blackjack gets so exciting is because of the splits the double down, that's what you play for. That's your thing. Yep. Vegas got to a point, Eddie, that they started telling people, listen, don't come back anymore, especially blackjack players, because they would go on a run and destroy it. So let's talk a couple blackjack things because I want to get your philosophy on this. Okay. Are you playing double deck, six decker? What are you playing? I love double deck. I don't know why. I can't listen. I am nowhere near enough. I am nowhere near smart enough to count. But for some reason, I feel better. You know what I mean? Like, you could see, like, all right, I feel like I've seen a lot of faces. You know, I feel like I've seen a lot of faces. Like, I feel a little more comfortable hitting here, you know? So, I love double deck. In some places, you can find single deck. I know Old Vegas, you could find single deck. So Now, are you using, are you are you playing dealer or the machine shifting? Dealer. You got to play dealer. A thousand percent. People don't know that because that machine shifting is messing up your run consistently. And there's some places, I think here at the Hard Rock, you, they don't have dealer. It's it's always machine shifting. Yeah, that's tough. I, machine is tough. I, I I would agree with that. But uh, yeah, you, I love single deck. I love double deck. Six deck. It's like you never know. There's so much going on. You know, that's big boy stuff though. Because there, when you go on the run, you destroy, bro. You destroy. Okay, so let's talk this now. You're playing dealer has showing a 10 face card 10 you got 16 do you stay or you hit here's the thing okay now you hit it okay i hit it every time but if it's if if, whatever you do just stick with it that's my philosophy If if you could live and die by it that's okay but if you're at a crowded table it's hard to stay on 16. If I'm with my buddies, because I usually go, we got the same crew, three, four of us, we go, you know, we usually would go every Friday night, we'll go to the casino, and, you know, if I got a buddy who hits on 16, it's only us at the table, it's okay, you know what I mean? It's like, I know what he's going to do, and I can live with that, but people do get mad if you don't just hit 16, I hit 16, though. Even though you're right, because you're thinking more, see, you're, you're a team guy, bro, because you're thinking more collectively, Yes. but it, it, in a self-wise, the book says... You're supposed to hit on 16, mm-hmm. even though it sucks because you hate to go over. But the book does say to hit on 16. Now, let me ask you this. What about uh, a 12 versus a face card? It's your preference. Mm-hmm. They, the book says your style. If, if you always stay, you stay. If you hit, you hit. Because the threes are always a little, little tough, you know, with the 12. Now, if let's say, well, hold on, 12 against a face card? Yes. What do okay. you? What, yeah. That that's what it tells you. The it's like an example. Here's another one. Uh, face you, you got sixteen versus the two. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't don't react with that. You know what I'm saying? So that's all. But what what Vegas? What the dealers would tell me? And I relied. I had never gambled till I went to Vegas. Yeah. So I'm not like I never did sports betting. I never did nothing. So I relied a lot on the dealers. And when you start to, when the dealers know you work in the casino and stuff like that, they because this is when I was in the nightclub. Then I transferred over 
Jim Muir and the CEO of MGM Resorts took me out of the nightclub and put me in the casino business, which was the worst decision I ever made. To become a casino, that was horrible. Really? But yeah, dude, because the club is the best. Because the club, you you have the club is like the club is like you play for the league, but you don't answer to the league. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because you get all the benefits. It's not corporate. You don't have no. to go through this thing. It's no bullshit. It's the club world. Dude, when I went to the casino world, it became corporate. I had to do like reports. It's just bullshit. That was just horrible. And Vegas had done a big shift where they were no longer Eddie comping everything. So they yeah. got really strict, bro. I'd imagine the club is just like an add-on. Hey, we're building a hotel, casino. We need a club. All right, just run it. Let's try to be profitable. But like, you know, whatever happens there. But casino, this is our this is our nut. You know, what this I mean? is our thing. And yeah. not only that, everybody wants, see, everybody wants a, a Vegas hookup. Mm -hmm. So the power you get when you right now all of a sudden have an excuse to go to Vegas. Go, no, no, hit up my boy HP up. He's got us. That just eases everything, you know? Yeah. But in the casino world, bro, not everybody's a, a million-dollar player. Yeah. So your your gaps of people's this big, whereas in Vegas, bro, you control everything, man. Let me ask you a question about games. Have you gotten into Baccarat yet? I haven't gotten into Baccarat, but I do Mississippi stud. I do uh, Caribbean stud. I like all those. And I know people make fun of those. They call them carnival games. and But I don't know. I like to sit there. And I like the possibility of winning big, you know? So I do those. But I know Baccarat, people say it's your one of your best odds, I believe. Can you play Baccarat in your casinos? Yes, we have Baccarat here. Dude, I would do it, and I'll tell you why. A couple things. It is the best game to play with your boys because it doesn't affect anybody else. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Not like Blackjack. Blackjack sucks because if one day you got to do you, your boys hammered, it tries to be a dick, you're fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baccarat's different. Number two. It's either player, bank, or tie. That's it. That's all you got. And it's super, it's super classy, bro. So it has this nice thing. It's almost like playing golf. It has this nice thing, and it's a nice flow. There's no rush. You take your time. It's what James Bond play. You know what I'm saying? It has this, uh, it has this thing. A big Chicago guy, Erlacher, would play a lot of... Uh, of Baccarat, yeah, bro. Really, he play a lot of, yeah, because yeah, he'd be in the casino. Now, do you do banker? Do you do player? You pick whatever you want. Wh which do you usually tip? So you, you, so you see, you seen that screen that's yeah. on the Baccarat table. Mm -hmm. So that what that does, Eddie, is it shows you patterns. Mm -hmm. So what people try to mimic is those patterns. So an example, if it goes two red, which is player, two blue, which is bank. Then people in the patterns think, okay, this is going to be a player because it's too red, too blue, too red, too blue. That's all you're looking for is those. It's ridiculous, but it's those patterns. And then when it goes on a run that it becomes an L, that it goes all the way down, it's when like it's the same one. So you get people to go player, 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 and it's called an L. You run all the way down, and then you run out of screen, and you keep going this way. That's interesting because I've heard before, and I don't know, you might be able to confirm this working in a casino. I've heard at the roulette, the uh, you know the screen that shows all the numbers that were previously hit. I heard that is there to be an advantage for the house because people see that they're like, oh wow, reds hit six in a row, black is due. It's like 
Well, it's not, it's not accurate. Yeah, yeah, and it's not accurate. It, it's 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 like a thing. It's not as accurate as the Baccarat thing. The Baccarat yeah. thing. It's and it's and remember, Baccarat is you got to sit down. It's 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 slower, dude. And the biggest players that I dealt with in Vegas on a numbers spin are Baccarat, bro, because it's longer. It's not like like blackjack where you get destroyed. Baccarat, it's like gives you gives you a run, dude. I like that too. That's so. Uh, that's why I like Caribbean stud a lot because I could sit there. I don't get punched in the face too fast, and I'm not headed to the parking lot within an hour. You know exactly, so, Eddie. What do you play a hand usually? Usually a hand. So I'll usually go blackjack. I'll play quarter, quarter hand, and then uh, you know the other games, Mississippi and uh, Caribbean. I'll go down to like ten per hand because those are a lot. You got to back it up. I don't know if you're familiar with those or not. But I'm you not, know, but I but I've seen those, but I'm not familiar with those. With 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 blackjack, Eddie. When I started, because I saw so high numbers because of my my boys and my clients, I had to at least do a hundred a hand. Because what happens is when you bet twenty five, you have to win so much, yeah, for you to be. So what I started doing was I didn't. I was four years in Vegas. I didn't start gambling either sports or table games till my third year. And what I started to do was every single day, I would, I would bet, I would gamble five hundred bucks in blackjack. Like every single day, I would sit there, play a hundred a hand. If I double my money, I would win. And I had, and the hardest part, and I read on this, and I, I've never been a big book kind of guy, but I read a lot on what makes successful gamblers, like really people that really knew how to win money gambling. Mm -hmm. And it was always the two biggest things. Stick to your formula when you're losing and have a plan of how much you're going to win and how much you're going to lose, no matter what's happening. And then if you lose, you get the fuck out of there. Yeah, for sure. That's, I mean, that's crucial. And, and you're right. And, and I, like, I don't stay at 25, you know, cause I think, you know, staggering is how you win money in blackjack to me. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, you get up a little bit. It's time to go 50, 75, 100, 100 plus, you know? And, uh, you know, that's, I don't know, there's different, you know, philosophies on Martingale. I don't, you know what Martingale is. You need a bigger bankroll to really do that, you know? Right. If you, if you lose one, you bet two. If you lose two, you bet, you know? I don't like that. I don't like that. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah, you need a huge bankroll, you know? Like, yeah. I know uh, David Cho, he's, uh, he's you know, the guy, he's a famous painter. Yes. And he wins a shit ton in Vegas because of, he's, you know, but he's got the bankroll to do that, you know? So... Uh, but I think staggering is, you know, you got to stagger cause you'll sit there and you'll just kind of cannibalize yourself. If you just stay at the same number, I think. Yeah, bro. MJ, like an example, like Jordan, he big blackjack guy, he's 25 G's a hand. Uh, uh um, he rolls with 25 da, 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 with the, we'll call them the watermelon. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that are the pink ones. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. and then you, you got those. And then the five G's one is the flag cause it's white, but red, white, and blue in the middle. So we yeah, call yeah, that yeah, the, yeah. the flag. Eddie, did you ever think, man, you'd be as good as you as you are doing what you do, bro? Honestly, it, it's something I kind of I kind of wrestle with, I guess, because uh, I don't know, it, not really. Like I I I always wanted, I always knew that I had I had a creative brain and I could like kind of contribute somehow, but I never, you know, I, I did see myself being the guy doing it, but I also saw my myself being the guy helping someone do it, you know. Like, I also see myself, like, at some point being like, all right, well, I could just be, like, a producer and I could just help someone, you know, whatever. Um, so, like, as far as, you know, doing what I do, yes and no. I mean, I, I, I've I, always had confidence in myself, but, uh, you know, just 
being a naturally inquisitive question questionable person that's kind of what uh you know it's just it's just always how I've been you know I've just been kind of interested like like you right now you told me you worked in Vegas Aria you know everything like that like I got a million questions for you that you know people you know you don't find shit interesting until you actually hear it it's like oh wow okay you know so it was a long-winded answer but uh I I guess yes no yes and no maybe I guess what do you think makes you so special I don't know you know and that's that's something like I uh Honestly, I have no idea. To be honest with you, that's uh, I I don't know. What's I do, question. I do, I I know why. We'll get to that later, but just I was just curious on that. That that personality, man, of asking questions, being curious. Do you get that from your dad, from your mom? Who are you more like? You know, it's kind of a mix. Okay, like my mom is very like oh, just very you know lovey dovey. Like you know, she's you know will help anyone out. And then my dad's very like you know business oriented hey get your shit done you know whatever so i like to think i got a combination for both of them but as far as being like naturally curious i wouldn't say either of them really kind of have that trait which is interesting so you were born illinois yeah born in chicago born and raised born in chicago and so mm -hmm. let's talk i'm fascinated with chicago man i've been there several times for a lot of different reasons I did a, when I was living in Los Angeles, I did a national Sears commercial and they flew us out from LA to Chicago for a whole week. And I stayed at the, the Hard Rock there on Michigan Avenue. And I would love going, man. They called it the Viagra Triangle back then. <laughs> I would love yeah. going to Tavern on Rush, dude. What makes Chicago so special? What do you love about it? And then hit me with your sports team. I know it's Bears, but what else you got? Bro, that's let's tavern on rush. That's if not the, it's one of my favorite steakhouses in the city. So that's a great call. They still call it the Viagra Triangle too. But what makes Chicago Chicago is uh, there's a lot of pride, man. You know what I mean? Like I I, I have a lot of pride in the city. You know what I mean? I want to see it do well, and uh, you know it's it, it's almost become a running joke where everyone is like, hey, uh, you know, just. Why is Chicago people so like, why do they always talk about Chicago? Why do they have, you know, what's, you know, everywhere in the Midwest, they kind of looked and, and I don't, and I don't agree with that for the record. Like I, I like the Midwest cities cause I, I appreciate them because, you know, Cleveland, Detroit, it's cold cities. You'd rely on your sports teams. If your sports teams suck, you don't have anything else going. You can't right. go outside like in Miami with you, Hector. You know, there's no, there's no avoiding it. You got nothing all winter, you know, but it's just, it's just the pride. It's the food. And it's just, uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's, there's, there's no bullshit. You know what I mean? No one here is really trying to get ahead of someone in the aspect of maybe, you know, L.A. where everyone you meet, it's like, oh, what can I, what can he no, do No, and here me? too. Yeah, and here too. Yeah, bro. Here you, you, know, too. you know what I mean? You don't get that here really a lot. So I love that. And uh, just being born and raised, it's, uh, it's I, I, I take a lot of pride in being from here. Nice, dude. You talk sports team. Let's go. So you got the Bears. Yep. Who do you go for in baseball? Cubs. So you're a Cubs guy, which is yeah. awesome, man. Uh, mm -hmm. I had John Jay on this show. He's oh, nice. A, he's, a, he's a Miami guy. He was there for, I think, a year. You think it was good, the Dexter Fowler thing, man? You think that messed you guys up? When we got rid of Dexter? Yeah. It was a rock and a hard place, man. Uh, you know, we had a lot of young guys that were ready to come up. And Dexter, it, it's one of those things where it's like Dexter was such a – he was, he was a big part of this team. He was, you know – 
some will consider him the heart, you know, because that year he was left and he came back and nobody like saw a comedy sign like right before spring training, uh, and ended up being such a such a crucial move. And uh, I it, it yeah, I mean it did end up hurting. We never really kind of solidified our leadoff spot. Um, center field was kind of a juggling act for there. But hey, you know what? If uh, Albert if Albert Almora becomes the player that we thought he was going to be, you probably don't have this conversation. They rolled the dice on Elmora, and uh, it didn't work out, you know. So in, in hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty. But yeah, I think we we obviously should have kept Dexter and kind of went with him instead. Kind of went with him. Yeah, Albert is a Miami guy. Mm-hmm. Um, another Miami guy who's a little older. The the Hawk Andre Dawson. Oh he's yeah, a, he's a he's a, a Chicago guy too. Such great stuff, man. Just to just to be a part of it. it's like what you said. You feel pride and a lot of people say that chicago is like a cleaner version of new york which is which is very interesting yeah <laughs> bulls obviously what you went through with uh with jordan and that era was amazing man now with the bulls that must be tough no it's brutal man and, and the thing is too i i was born in 1990 so <clears throat> i was you know seven years old when they had that last title i don't remember jordan much and it, and it sucks so i've never really had a, a long Bulls relationship that's been healthy because of the Derrick Rose thing, you know. Uh, he was, you know, I love Derrick Rose, and that was a fun time. I love Joakim Noah. I mean, probably more. Joakim Noah is probably my, my favorite post-Jordan player of all time. And, uh, it, you know, it's it, it's tough now. It's just the Bulls should be – the Bulls should not be, you know, the franchise that they are today. The Chicago Bulls are a top-five franchise, I think, so – uh, hopefully, you know, they're going to turn a corner here with a new management. But um, I love the Bulls, man. The Bulls got to make a comeback. Eddie, I know you play softball. Yeah. Did you, high school, literally, did you play baseball? Did you play any sports? No, I, yeah, I played football. I played football all four years. Um, I, I just didn't. I never I never played baseball. I played baseball, Little League, everything like that. I wrestled for a year in high school. Uh, but that's that, that's really about it. I'm a big bocce ball player now, Hector. I don't Bocce's know. Getting big. Is that the is that the thing where people hit the thing into the, the square in the middle? No, no. It's a, you throw the little ball and then you get you get the bigger ball and you throw it down the the, the lane and you got to get closer to the small ball. Oh, is that what you do now? So yeah. you don't play softball anymore? Not anymore. No, no, not not so much. I'll fill in like you know, rarely. But you know, I played a tournament last last fall, but not as much anymore. That's interesting. What about uh? You mentioned the producer thing. Yeah, I watch you, right? And you're very. When I view myself in this, I'm extreme talent. Like I'm person. I just know certain things. Okay, I just look here. I make sure I'm recording. I'm very basic, one on one. But you're different. You're here, and I've seen you in interviews that you're talking to somebody, and they'll they'll be like talking away from the microphone, and you'll like on the on the Zoom raise their thing so you so they could come through, you know. Yeah. And then I've also seen you write down notes. So you know, like, okay, I'm gonna do this, 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 and that, man. What, like, like for the editing? Do you do your own editing? Do you? Are you in the room with somebody else that does it? How do you do all that? So, back in the day when we first started Barcelona, we we're pretty bare bones. I did all my own editing. Uh, now that you know we've gotten a lot bigger, I've been thankfully been afforded to have someone help out with that. And I don't, I don't do any of the editing anymore. Um, so we have a we have a tech camera guy who who handles all that. Um, but yeah, dude, it's uh, it's kind of a feel thing, you know what I mean? Where 
you just, you know, I, I did an internship in 2015 at the Howard Stern show. And, uh, I mean, the opportunity to learn from those guys, I mean, it's the best, you know, and, uh, I I just kind of sat there and I just really, really paid attention to how things were done, you know? And it's, it's, he, that guy, he just, he figured out the formula and like, you know, you never want to copy the formula, but Hey, if you're going to take a couple pieces of his, uh, his recipe and throw it in your own. Eddie, let's talk about the formula. Let's talk about the formula. Mm -hmm. What's the form? Number one, what's the formula? And then number two, how do you apply the formula? So let's talk about the formula. What's the formula that you got there? As far as uh, just kind of like Barstool Chicago interviewing or what, what just uh, whatever, whatever, whatever you say, you, you said the formula. You give me what you think the formula is. The formula thing, man. The number one thing I think is being authentic, man. Um, I think that's number one thing that that comes across. You know, people people don't like to sit there and flip on. At least I don't. You know, flip on. You know, whatever show it is on on you know network television, and it's two people with a, a voice that's not theirs. You know, they're changing their voice. They got the news. Well, welcome back at three. You know what I mean? It's like, that's bullshit, man. That's not how people talk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like this is, that's not how it is. And uh, I think that resonates with people, man. It's like, hey, okay. Like, hey, I could kind of trust that guy because he's not trying to be someone he's not. Like, but like me or not, I am who I am. And that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to shine through. Eddie, I love that you brought that up, dude. You seem like a guy that's very comfortable in your skin. I'm come. I was completely the opposite. I'm I'm from Cuba. Mm-hmm. I was born in Cuba. Went to Spain here in Miami. I had identity issues growing up my whole life because my dad used to beat the shit out of me through baseball. I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far. And I never developed an identity because my dad wanted to enslave me and keep me. Like you know when you have like a prodigy kid, you don't want him getting messed up. You don't want him wearing a backward hat. Like it was just yeah. my dad was so focused. So I struggled with identity issues till I got to Las Vegas. Then everything flipped for me. You, man, you being comfortable with yourself. Did you learn that? Is that a Chicago thing? Like, where did you come up with that? Oh, man. It, I mean, it's it, it took a long time, and I'm still not. That's a thing, like, where where I, I'm still not comfortable with being like, oh, well, hey, do you, do you know what makes you special? Because I'm like, man, it's, sometimes you forget how big this whole thing is, you know? And it's like, man. Uh, you know, Barstool and like people are actually listening to this shit, you know, because for me, it's just, it's something I enjoy doing. I enjoy having conversation with people. And if people listen to it and they press play and like, Hey, I like how this guy does his job. Um, and they become a fan. Like that's, you know, that's, that's crazy to me still. You know what I mean? So, so, so to get comfortable with that and, uh, you know, you know, it does build your confidence. People will be like, Hey, you're just being you. And it's working, you know. I didn't. I didn't always. There, there. I was, dude. I was riddled with self doubt for a long time, you know. You, I think everyone goes through that. I'm like, man, you know, am I funny enough? Am I good enough at this? Like, do I, you know, do I stumble too much? There's, there was a lot of that, man. There's there was a, lot a lot of, of that. that. Yeah, Eddie. Sure. What I, what I was doing is, I was in Hollywood. So to escape baseball, I go fuck this shit. I moved. J Lo had a TV show called South Beach. That was her first producing gig, way back when. You were born 1990. I was born. You said 1990. You were born, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was born 1979, Eddie. Mm-hmm. So I was a 22-year-old dude. Done baseball my whole life. Nothing else. Just strictly baseball. I, I start modeling with Wilhelmina. I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm done. And J-Lo 
has a team. They discover me on the beach and I'm on a TV show and I go, you know what? I'm going to go act. So I got my SAG card and I go to Los Angeles and I live in a car in the Hollywood Hills. I didn't know a single person. I go, I'm going to make it in the Hollywood, in the Hollywood Hills or be the first Cuban that dies there. And when I was there, I noticed that I, because I have certain charisma and certain like stuff going on, I was able to get into the most elite groups possible. But Eddie, I lied to everybody. And I go, no, nah, I used to play for the Yankees, but I just got my arm injured. I was in the Yankees system and I got my arm injured. And what happened was Google wasn't, Google was trending on whether it was going to be popular or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and mm -hmm. the right characters, wrong for me, Googled me. And bro, they're like, you didn't play for the Yankees. And then, and then I had to be stuck like, yeah, worst mistake I ever made. Learned a lot from it because I was always trying to impress people, not get over. Because you know how some people are like sharks, so they want to take people's money. Or oh yeah, that wasn't my deal. My yeah. deal was I just wanted to impress people to to fit in, man. Mm -hmm. You never had that while being you and carrying you, your style. Let's get into now what I think makes you special. Your interview style. Now that you brought up how you interview, bro, it's exactly what you said. You're half mom. Half pops. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting when we see you in the Dave Porno show, that really comes out. Yeah. That really comes out. Talk to me about that, man. You getting the show. How did that come about, number one? Because you're not even in New York. You're in Chicago. Yeah. So that now starts adding a bunch of technical difficulties and all this bullshit. How did that happen? Yeah, you know what, man? And, and this, is, this is where it goes back to where I was – you know, there was a long time, like, I, I, I come from, you know, you, you try to be a baseball player. I come from, you know, uh, I live in the city of Chicago. Uh, you know, my whole my whole family works for, you know, the water department, and uh, they're all union people, hard workers, you know, nine to fives. And I want to do something a little different, you know, which was like, what do you mean? Like, go get a job. Like, go, what are you, like, what, what are you trying to do all this for? Like, no one ever really understood it. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and I, you know, I had this opportunity when I started with Barstool in 2013. And uh, it kind of it kind of washed away at some point once the whole churning deal went down. And I don't know how familiar people are with that. And uh, and and when that went down in 2016, you know, myself, White Sox, Dave, Carl, and Chief, the guys I work with in the Barstool Chicago office, we kind of kind of washed away a little bit. Um, and uh, it 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 got me to a point where I was like I said, I was like, man, I was beating myself up a little bit. I was like, man, this was that was the chance, and uh, I, I I felt like I kind of blew it, you know. So. When I came back and I the, the first show I did, um, you know, D Dave brought us on and and I would I, I would do these Monday spots called Eddie Mondays on Barstool Radio with Dave Portnoy, and uh, he would um, you know I'd call in on Mondays and the Barstool uh, Radio on Sirius, and I, we would just talk for have to do a 10, 15 minute segment, and that came every Monday, and then soon enough I just you know my thing is is like hey. Uh, if you want something, go get it. You know what I mean? You, you got to ask for it. And I told oh, him, I, I love that, Eddie. I love that you said that. That's the yeah. move, man. And like, people are afraid. And like, listen, I get it too. Like, there is also a kind of a decorum at Barstool where it's like, hey, like, you, it, it's kind of taboo to invite yourself on someone's show. You know what I mean? Like, hey, can I come on? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's more like, hey, just, you know, wait for your time. If your people like what you're doing, the last Eddie, I think that's in everything, though, bro, huh? Because yeah. as you, as, listen, when you have nobody, you're like, hey, man, you want to come on my show? You want to come on my show? But as you start now, like you said, to build an audience and, and to get a name, it's kind of hard that your boy comes out of nowhere and says, hey, bro, put me on your show. 
You yeah. can't now because you got listeners that are expecting a certain thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's hard to explain to people, hey, bro, it's not like that anymore. I, I got responsibilities. I got sponsors here. This is a different deal. Exactly, man. You're exactly right. It is. It's hard, man. And that's where, uh, but you know what? This wasn't, this wasn't, I found an opportunity where it wasn't, hey, put me on your show because he invited me the first time to do the Mondays. And then I just said, hey, just so you know, if the main host, his name is Riggs, I said, if he's ever out, I'd love to come in and fill in and be a guest host, you know? Um, he said, okay. He's Riggs is the golf guy. He's always very busy doing golf stuff. He's got, it runs a great golf program, golf, Barcelona Classic. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, uh, he's going to be out the second weekend of November. You want to come in? I said, book my ticket now. So, let's you know, go. let's you know, go, bigger hitter. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and everyone's like, man, were you nervous? Like, what? Like, how did you feel? I was like, man, you know what? I wasn't nervous because I was fucking ready. You know what I mean? I said, this is the opportunity I've always wanted. And this is, the, I just felt like it was my time. You know, how old were you then? I was, uh, that was, I, I was, I had just turned 29 years old, which is a good age. Good age, man. Mm-hmm. I, how old are you now? I, I just turned 30 uh, a couple, couple weeks ago. Very so this good. This was last year. Mm-hmm. So this was last year. Okay. We're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to, I'm going to like Quentin Tarantino. We're going to stop here. We're going to go back <laughs> to that. We're going to go to this. How does yeah. it feel to be 30, dude? Dude, you know what? It was. It, it, it was. It, here's what I think too, Hector. 2020 doesn't count, so I'm not 30 yet. Okay. And we we lost our year. We lost a year. Well, I, <laughs> we I'm lost our year with the pandemic. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what I think. What I think. To me, 2020 has been the greatest year of my life for a really? lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. But being 30, man, what what did that mean to you? How do you do? Are you like, I'm winning an example. I'm winning uh, professionally. I'm losing personally. I would like to do yeah. this. Or that. What do you feel? You know what, man? That's that's a great point because I do the same thing. Every birthday, I have a reflection. I go back to uh, I go back to the park where I was kind of raised at, where I played baseball at, basketball at, and I kind of sit there and I do reflect on that, um, which you know I know a lot of people think is a little odd, but I don't know. I just like to do it. I like to go to the spot where me and my buddies rode our bikes to. And uh, I could I could sit there and think, you know, you could point out memories, every little bench you see, every field, every tennis court, you know. So I always sit there and there was a lot of days, you know, 25, 26, where I thought I was losing, you know, and I was I, in my mind. And, and who knows if like in the grand scheme of things I was losing or not. But, yeah, there was 25, 26, 27. I was like, man, I'm losing, you know. And, uh, you know, that took a lot of kind of self-reflection to how how can I how, how can I fix this? How can I write the path? And, uh you know, 30, I, I, I feel great. I feel like I'm on the right track and, uh, it's, it's, it's going well, man. It wasn't 30 was, uh, you know, I always say 29 is weird because 29, you turn 29 and then you just think about turning 30 the whole next year. So 29 sucks too, you know? So I've kind of been ready for this, but no, I I've had the self-reflection at 30 and, uh, I'm happy with where I'm at and, uh, you know, things, things seem to be going great. I love it, dude. I'm 41. I got lucky. I, which I think you're lucky too, man. You get to live life, which is mm-hmm. something that, listen, your dad, your parents, you said worked, or your family worked in the the city for the, the water thing. My dad worked for Pepsi, blue collar guy, 30 years. He's never known what it's like to be six years in Los Angeles, four years in Las Vegas, you know? Yeah. It just changes everything. I got lucky I got married at 37. Mm-hmm. It's a great age for a dude to get married. If 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 you meet the girl of your life and stuff like that, I have forty one. I had a son this year. I have two kids now, awesome. and it's and it's it's different. And you bring up an interesting point, man. They don't prepare 
guys to understand that in your 20s, it's almost like your 20s, it's almost like the third quarter of a basketball game or something like that, or like the summer days of baseball, where it's like you, it looks like you're really losing in your yeah. 20s at some point, whether it's 25, 26, that you're like, fuck, man, you're at that park and you're like, I just turned 27 and I'm a fucking loser. Yeah. But it's weird that you go from being a loser, but you character build or you shift your mindset into winning just like this, man, you know? Yeah. And if I didn't lose, I wouldn't be the, you know, the radio guy or whatever I am today, you know? Dude, 1000%. I had one of the, one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest entrepreneurs in the world sent me a, a message today and he goes, bro, when you speak, what do you talk about? And I told him my things. And then my the last thing I said, Eddie, was that everything you want in life is in the other side of failure. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, bro. I feel that for sure. I feel you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's hard because as a as now as a podcaster interviewer, this this is my forte. What I go, what am I, what do I crush it at? And I tell people, I crush it at finding talent and finding good people and telling them. Man, you're doing that good. Because mm -hmm. really, when was the last time somebody pulled you aside and go, listen, bro, to be the host of the Dave Portnoy show is like figuring out the Iraqi study group or something like that, man. Because <laughs> it's like the amount of mental Jenga you're playing, yeah. right, isn't easy. No, I don't think very few people can carry that show the way you do it because you push it to a way that you get to the topic, you push the topic, then before you even leave the topic, you almost go, hey, man, anything else we want to talk about here? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You transition it so smoothly, man. Are you aware that you're doing that, or are you just like an autopilot going? I know. I know. And like I said, once I had that opportunity to guest host those shows with Dave, like I, I was able to build a kind of a rapport with him. You know what I mean? And I was able to see, and I always think like, Hey, like if I could keep him off his phone, if I could keep him focused, you know? So that's my battle. Every time I do a show with him, I'm always focusing to keep him off that damn phone and just, just to kind of keep pulling the rope. You know what I mean? Keep pulling it out of him. And, uh, you know, and, uh, thankfully he, you know, he, he responds well to me for whatever reason. And, uh, it's, it, it's, it, you know, I, I just, so yeah, I, I, I am cognizant of what I'm doing. And then part of me also just admires what he's done and what he does to the point where I'm like, man, I just want to know this. And if I want to know it, I'm sure other people want to know it, you know? So it's a mix for sure. Dude, that comes across so much, almost like the Howard Stern thing, like you said, like you're able to understand talent, be humble enough to be like, Ooh, okay. This is, let me get this formula here, put it into my mix and stuff like that. Let's talk about that. The Dave Poor Noise, the Howard Stern, you want to throw it in the mix. What have you learned? You learned authentic, right? Both of them are super authentic dudes. What else? What else did you learn? As far as interviewing style? Interviewing yeah, interviewing. Style? You know, I mean, people, you know, and Howard's great at it. He's, people think he's the greatest interviewer there is. Um, he's, he does, you know, because in, in a sense, he was doing a lot of that before podcasting. When he went to Sirius, he was able to afford to, you know, go an hour straight without a commercial. You know, you couldn't do that on terrestrial radio. You had a break. You know, you gotta you gotta sell muffler parts at the local auto shop or whatever. You know, you couldn't do that. So he was able to sit down 
and just the way he went about it and uh, just making people expand on things. Like there's so many questions that people ask and then they, they get an answer. And if they're not really listening, they miss, it could be a small detail where something that you don't even know could be pulled out of them is there, you know, like it's just looking for the little shit was something that I really found it, it to, to be important, you know? And, uh, and just if someone, especially with Dave, someone who's so, you know, and Howard's talking to these celebrities, someone who has lived such a profound life, people want to know as much as they can, you know, they want to, they even like Dave doesn't find it interesting. It's like, Hey, do you have a dresser? Do you have someone who dresses? He was like, no, you know, but people want to know, even if he says no, you know, I pick out my own jeans. People still like, oh, interesting. You know what I mean? It's little shit like that. It's like you, you don't. These people, almost everything's interesting. It's just asking the questions, even if they're as uh, you know as small as they are. Yeah, and even and that's a good point because even with him, see the fact that he he completely did a three sixty. The way that dude used to look before to compare yeah. to it's, it's almost like two people. So mm-hmm. you would think that that. Either that, the dude just woke up and hit his head one day and said, yeah, now I know how to dress or would have a dresser because he would never dress that way before. Yeah, no. Which, no is, exactly. which is just crazy, dude. His personality, has it always been the same? Has it changed with success? How do you see it? Listen, I, I didn't know him a ton before we before I, I started working here. I really just, you know, actually met the guy in 2018 but, you know, just following the site, I've been reading the site since, God, 28, 2008 or something like that. And, uh, you know, obviously people are going to change with the success they get, you know. But deep down, I really believe he's the same guy. And, I, and that's where I kind of had that realization um, where uh, we went to Vegas, actually. It was last, uh, last August. And when nothing's rolling, the cameras are off. Like, he's just a chill dude. Like, we sat there. We went to Omnia or whatever, and uh, we just we just hung out. Omnia, bro. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. he just shot the shit, and uh, nah, dude, he's just a, he's just a normal guy. At the end of the day, like he's just you know he played baseball growing up, and he's he, he's just a regular dude. So it's uh, he, he's a, he's just just kind of a chill, good dude to hang out with. You also you also have who's my girl, man. I love her. I did her podcast. She did mine. Uh, Erica, who's the best man? Yeah, tell me about being around her, dude. Dude, she's great. She's she's one of those people who like you. Uh, she's infectious. When you're around her, you feel like good things are happening. You know, you feel like all right. Like she she um she came here for some business stuff with a couple of the pen guys a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was just instantly like you feel you feel good about the direction you're going in when she's involved. You know, and smart, dude. You just feel smart. She's around yeah. her, you just get smarter all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. For sure. She's, she's super smart. Uh, you know, she's super, she's super friendly and it's just, you just feel, you just feel good about what's, what's happening. You know, Eddie, you're prepped for the shows, man, whether it's the porno show, the walk, the dog show, the other shows, how do you prep for your shows, man? What do you, what's your style? Well, my big thing is, is, I mean, if I don't, if I come in unprepared, it's, you know, it's, you're already down, you know, four runs in the third inning. preparing so important and a lot of people just think like oh i could just show up and i could do that like no i don't i i I don't work i don't operate under that theory you know what i mean like there's sure there's some shows that could be done under prep if you're such a you know big fan and you got everything under memory but even then like you're gonna you're gonna miss some things if you don't write it down just write everything down i sit down 
you know, for an hour or so beforehand, I write everything down. You know, I'm like, huh? I just sit there. I think I was like, okay, if I were to do this, you know what I mean? Like you, it's like, oh, Hector, if I'm talking to Hector, baseball, Miami. All right. The first thing I think baseball, Miami, it's like, all right, like, and, and, and listen, and this is the truth. I think Jose Fernandez, you know what I mean? Right, right. And that's like, I'm like, man, how can we get into that? Like, well, let's talk he... about Jose Fernandez real quick. Let's do it. I would uh, love to. Okay. He was super interesting, man, because people in Miami started seeing him. When he was popping off, like really popping off, I think I had just got him back to Miami. But he was such a talent. The problem was he didn't have anybody telling him no because he was, uh, I don't think his dad was around. That was either Cuba or whatever, with mom, grandma, family, that kind of thing. And he, people started seeing him. And I, and I started hearing about it, like in random bars, clubs, whatever. And he'd be partying, obviously on drugs, like in the wee hours of the night and just be there like by himself on a whole different thing. Yeah. So you could tell those characteristics of trouble coming. Mm -hmm. And it was hard because the team didn't have anybody that could kind of put him in his place because he was the face. And because he played so like with his heart mm -hmm. and how he dominated Eddie, it was like, and he's a pitcher. So, you know, pitchers can crush it one day. And that's why a lot of the biggest drug addicts are pitchers because it's like you crush it one day and you could fuck around for three more days, yep. fix yourself and destroy it on the mound. And the day that he killed himself, he pretty much reached out to everybody that he could. But people were like, right, you fucking crazy? We got to play tomorrow. But the two dudes, unfortunately, that passed away with him are kind of guys you could tell are in the come up and wanted to hang out with him and said yes to whatever he did. So when you had a dude that he stopped at a place to get a, he stopped at a bar here, jumped off, which is right, right by on the water. Grabbed the bottle of uh, whatever liquor it was. You could tell he was fucked up. And then it's like, no, 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 I'm driving the boat. No, no, come on, come on. And when you're dealing with yes people, it's hard, man. It's hard. But yeah, yeah bro, that's the Jose Fernandez thing that, that at least that I saw, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Just because someone is doing so well and someone is at the top of their game doesn't mean that there's other shit that's not going on. But it's hard to say like, hey, uh, what's going on? When he could be like, hey, what are you talking about? I'm doing fine. Look at yeah, this. Bro, get the fuck out of here. And, on, and, and, and especially in, in that thing, because again, there's nobody. There, there, listen, all of a sudden, your, your life starts going down for some reason. If it isn't go to a therapist, it's hard, man. To Eddie, who can you call? That's in the podcast world, content world, this world where, yeah, you're not a uh, Bill Murray, but now you're a known character in the world. So it's not like you're an unknown either. It's like this weird gray space of like help if you need it, that it's hard to find help in, man. So that's why you yep. said, I think that's important. You know, mm -hmm. what else do you think of when you think Miami? Dude. And, and, and Jose, like, let me just say that too. He was one of the most electric pitchers ever, man. Like, just unbelievable. I worked at a sports company at that time, and the day he died, I came in, and it was it was solemn, man. It was, you know, it hit it hit an office just in Chicago that, you know, an office of 50 people were just sitting there quiet doing their job because of because of what happened, you know. Um, so I, he he's always something that pops in my mind. Uh, obviously, you think you think of the beaches, you think of uh, you think of the, the the live parties, obviously hanging with the 
with you know do, doing shows with Dave. I think of Dave Grutman now. <laughs> um, I think of uh, you know obviously the the fucking the Heat championships now with with, with LeBron going there. Uh, yeah, man. I think of the, I think of the awesome Cuban culture, you know, uh, and, and that's that, that that's pretty much everything. Miami's just that, that's what it kind of brings to me. That's what you think about huh? it. Yeah. See, I think about it's so funny, dude. I think about that. I think a lot of what pins us is the way we grew up, Eddie. And I had always been a guy that because my dad was beating the shit out of me mm -hmm. and I was losing on a, I felt like I was losing on a daily basis because it's not like we had money. We were like entry level middle class, but I didn't have a TV in my room. I didn't have any freedom. I was a guy that was losing every single day. And my dad had me with him 24 seven. So, all of a sudden, when people who I know say, you know, you know, those people that don't root for their city, like Chicago, like that passion, it's because they're bandwagon fans, right? Yeah. You know, so my boy Gary V says that a lot. You know who Gary V is? Yeah. So he says that a lot. And I go to him and I told him, I go, listen, bro, here's, you're right, because here's my problem. So growing up, since I was losing every day, Eddie, I associated Miami with abuse. So I went for other teams. So that's why I became a huge Jordan Bulls fan is because since he's winning, I want to win too. Yeah, yeah. Think about that, you know, which yeah. is why I admire so many people that can root for their team and root for their city. Now, in reverse of that, one of the reasons why I think I'm winning is because, because I have no loyalty in Miami, I was willing to leave Miami. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and a yeah. lot of people talk to me about that, bro. What have you done in life, man, that has made you uncomfortable? For me, it was, bro, living in a car was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, bro. Without yeah. knowing a single person for six months was super hard. No smartphone, no internet, no nothing. Yeah. What has been hard for you, man, at that level? Anything? Uh, you know what, man? I, I did do the whole internship thing in New York. Like I said, it was – it was uh, I went to New York and I – it was an unpaid internship of Sirius and Howard Stern. Uh, I was, you know, there was, they didn't pay for the rent or nothing. They didn't, there was, you know, there was no housing. There was Where'd you stay, that. Eddie? Where'd you stay? I stayed in the Upper East Side. I stayed in an extended stay hotel. It was, it was a shoebox, you know, and it was just, I stayed there for four months. How much were you paying a month? You know, I, it was one of those things where I was able to, I, I was going to college at the time. And I used some of my loan towards that, towards my, towards nice. my rent, you know, nice, nice. So it, it was like 60, you know, eight, 70 bucks a day or something like that for food. What would you do for food? For food? It was tough. It was a microwave. Although well, there was a microwave, you know, so, you know, a lot of Chipotle, a lot of, you know, New York pizza, uh, going to Walgreens and getting whatever I could microwave, throw it in there. I had a mini fridge. Uh, that was, that was a tough part for sure. You know what I would do a lot? I would sneak into like the resort, the hotels. And you know how the hotels, like, days in and stuff, they have the breakfast, whatever. I get, like, the Frosted Flakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get a ton of those <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. do that. I love that. No, I love that. And that's what I was, you know, said so I was 25 when I did that. Uh, and, and you know what? When you, or I was 24, actually, um, you go to a different city, and I'm not, uh, like, like, I'm a friendly guy, but I'm always like, ah, I don't, I don't want to bother people. I, I, that's the last thing I ever want to do is I don't want to bother people. I'm not going to go out and be like, hey, what's going on and try to meet friends. Like, it just seemed weird to me, you know? So I was, I was pretty alone, pretty isolated, and that kind of gets to you after a while, you know? 
Um, but in my head, I was like, hey, I'm here for a reason. I'm here to learn. I'm here to, you know, kind of just do that. So just kind of put my head down. But, you know, that definitely was a time where it's like, hey, this is a this is a very grinded out period. You don't know anybody here. You don't have anyone. Uh, if you, you know, if you died in the city tomorrow, it'd be, you know. It'd be hard. Yeah, exactly. Eddie, any friends on the, did you build any friends on the show or anything? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good friends with one of the guys. He's, he does the research for Howard. Um, and uh, he, he actually came out to Chicago years later, but he's a great guy. And uh, there's, I mean, there's the show that's, it's filled with good people over there. Um, and uh, yeah, he, th th that was probably the guy we came closest with. Eddie, favorite type of music? You know what? I like a little bit of everything. I love oldies the most, though. Who oldies? Who do you like the most? I like, uh, you know, I like a little, a little Dion. I like Sam Cooke. Um, you know, kind of all that stuff. The the, the real deep oldies and uh, who's you know, Dion? Dion who? Dion. He sings uh, "Run Around Sue." Uh, Run around suit. Run around Sue. You ever hear that one? No. Oh, uh, you you've heard it. I know you've heard it for sure. Hold on, bro. We're gonna find it. Hold on. Oh, uh, you're. It's a banger. So this is this is the one. All right, oh, it's a banger. I love it. Dion, yeah, D-I-O-N. D O D I O N. Let's hit this. Is my story it's sad but true? Gotta give a little bit. You've heard that before. Dude, I, let me ask you a question. Let me ask yeah, you a question. Yeah, yeah. You don't put that with a chick in the car or a chick around. Huh? You're not doing that, <laughs> big dog. Are you doing that? Come that on, was, man. No, that's a karaoke song, man. You know what I mean? You get up and get the people going with that one. You're a traditionalist, dude. Yeah, I love you know. it. I love it. Come on. But I like the twist, though. I throw that into a, with a chick. You want to hear some music? Bam, here we go. They'll be like, right, what? what are you? I'm not I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I like everything. That's just kind of what I... Uh, that's what well, I like about you, dude, because you seem like, see, some you seem, and one of the reasons why you're winning is because that's your authenticity. Mm -hmm. And we got to, any way you look at it, you got to respect it. Yeah. You might not like it. You might be like, bro, take that shit off. But you got to respect that. <laughs> right? For sure. For sure. So you, that's the first. I love that, dude. I love that. Yeah. How is it? Uh, you single, dude? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How is it dating in the city? You know, it's it's fine. You know, I, I I've, it's. It's one of those things where I don't know. I, there's so much more career-wise that I still want to do that it's just it's hard for me to just sit there and be interested in anything like that. You know, like I'll sit there and I'll, I'll go like maybe I'll go hang out with a girl and uh, we'll be we'll be in a conversation. And I just I I, I have myself having a hard I find myself having a hard time being interested. You know, and I know a lot of people say, well, like, oh, that's just not the right one. You know, and that could be the thing, but I don't know. I sit there and I'm like, man, I just I just couldn't imagine coming home from a day of work at this point in my life right now. Like, obviously, I, I wanted to change in the future and being like, oh, I got to see what, you know, I got to see how her day went. And I got to see. And I know that sounds kind of selfish. But no, it's I don't the truth. Know, man. It's you the know truth. what I mean? Let me tell you, when I was your age, 31, I became a man. I moved to Las Vegas. Nobody knew who I was. I, I had learned everything that I had learned to in a... In LA, even dealing with my hair loss, that Eddie, you're lucky you don't have to deal with that. Like literally thinning hair and the whole thing that I had. I did the hair surgery because I was an actor, which is a disaster. Oh, did you? 
Yes. I had some thinning. I, I had some thinning. I'm doing, I, I kind of, I made doing? a little, you know, I've done, I've, I've been taking some of those. Uh, the, some of those. Yes. Yes. And it, and it's actually worked. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is interesting. We don't talk about this with dudes. Yeah. So Propecia, Propecia works super interesting. Propecia kills your libido. Yeah. It kills your testosterone. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why hair exists. Why the hair loss is you have too much testosterone. Yeah. The problem with that is testosterone is what we dudes want more of, especially as we get older. Yeah. Because that's our man gene. That's how we get our muscles, our strength, stuff like that. I, bro, perfect example. At the time, and this is what I tell people a lot. I'm 20, probably 25, 26. My hair started thinning at 19, Eddie. Probably, I think, because of stress of dealing with my dad. Steroids at a real young age. Mm -hmm. Probably like in high school. Not knowing how to mix things and blah, blah, blah for baseball and all this stuff. Um, nobody to talk to how to get a psycho and how to do any of that stuff. So that's yeah, a whole disaster. Yeah, yeah. So my hair started thinning and I'm a tall dude. So I would go to barbers. I'd be 19 years old and they, and I have jet black hair and they go, dude, you know, your hair is thinning. It's Cuban guys. You know, they, they wouldn't romance you around it. They'd be right to the fucking point. Be like, bro, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Your hair is thinning. You're young. And I'd be like, holy shit. <clears throat> Fast forward. I'm going to Los Angeles. I go, I can't be. Who's the leading man? Here's my mistake. That has long, that has thinning hair, doesn't exist at the time. So I do the hair surgery, thinking it would work. Didn't know anything about Propecia. Wouldn't even take it. Propecia is eighty bucks a month. You could do the Pro Scar. You ever heard of Pro Scar? Is that the that's the the Bosley thing where they? Yeah, that's that's one it. that you could do. You cut it in half. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. cheaper instead of the eighty Propecia, like whatever. You do all that stuff, dude, Eddie. I did my hair, the hair surgery, and. Then I grew my hair long, thinking I had a full set of hair. It was just a disaster. There's these thing actors use called topics that you put on your hair, and it looks like you have a full set of hair. It's the whole thing. Here's the irony of life. Who's the biggest actor in the world right now? The Rock, baby. What type of hair does he have? He's bald. Fucking bald, bro. <laughs> yeah. Me and The Rock had the same acting coach, a guy named Aaron Spicer. Great dude. Will Smith put him on the map. The Wayne brothers started with him. He got J-Lo. Because of In Living Color, he got the Wayne Brothers, J-Lo. Will Smith made him the guy. He gets The Rock. There's a movie The Rock did with, I think it's Travolta, where he plays a gay character. I don't know if I guess Shorty or one of these things or the biggest, one of these movies. Okay. The Rock, his advice to, because The Rock's a big dude, he's 6'5". He goes, listen, you got to get as lean as possible. Nobody's going to want an ogre on TV. He can't be that big. Yeah, but giving the rock credit, he told the guy, "Go fuck yourself." In his own way, I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna get as big as I fucking can. I'm gonna be the greatest. So that's an example that I tell people when I speak. When I speak a lot to kids, is look how I was wrong. I tried to be somebody else. The rock went all in on himself, and that was the thing. Yeah, no, dude, that's uh, that's a great story. Did you know him at all? No, I saw him one time in Miami. When he was here, I go, wow, this guy's fucking at a chicken kitchen. You heard of chicken kitchen? Uh, chicken no, kitchen is so. like a healthy kind of maybe chicken kind of place here okay. in Kendall. He walked in huge. He was still wrestling at the time. And then my boy brought him into our, because his first wife is Cuban. Uh -huh. Huge reason of his success is her. She's his business partner. They still stay business together. They have a daughter. 
but they maintain a spectacular business relationship now in seven dollar production, seven bucks production, whatever. She brought him to the he she he brought him to the baseball field to talk to our team, and I was already gone, man. But I have heard there isn't a better dude than that guy. Just really cool, Eddie. I believe it, man. I do believe it. Eddie, what what do you see in your future, bro? As you have all these shows and all these things, you feel stagnant? Do you feel good? Do you feel pumped? How do you feel? Yeah, I, I feel good. There's, there's a lot going on right now. And uh, right now I'm kind of cognizant of trying not to spread myself too thin, you know? Because if you got eight shows, you don't got one. You know what I mean? And I got, I'm got i working on a lot of shows right now, and I enjoy it. It's what I like to do. But uh, definitely uh, at some point here, I'm going to have to uh, kind of just come together and figure out, you know, the real plan and how to allot my time to each of them. You know what I mean? And, uh, and th that's important. But, you know, building an audience, that's what it is. You know, Howard did this shit since the 70s, you know. You, and he's had his audience for 50 years is – you know, you just you just kind of keep picking them up. You know what I mean? Kind of keep picking up listeners, and uh, kind of just you know, it, it's you grow your life grows with the people who listen to you. You know, so that that's kind of that's kind of my my thought of where it probably goes. Eddie, you mentioned audience. How do you do? How are you connecting with audiences? Do you? I get about five hundred, a thousand DMs a week from kids, parents asking me questions, sports, all this stuff. I answer every fucking single one of them, bro. It takes me forever, but I yeah. do. Are you that kind of guy? Are you like, listen, dude, once I'm off, I'm off. How do you balance that, man? I, I try. I try to I try to answer as much as I could because I remember what it was like in their shoes, you know, trying to grab anything I could that could help me out, even if it was just a tip of advice or if it was everything. So I'm I'm always there to kind of listen to people and what, you know, what they have to say. Um, but it's, it's really, um, you know, like you said, dude, here's the thing. You going through what you went through when you were 19 with your hair loss. How many people are going through the same shit after? You know what no, I mean? No, and at 30 and looking, and the, the worst part is you have dudes now that, and this is stuff we don't talk about, that dude, they're doing ridiculous comb-overs. They're going, they're doing the hair surgery. Like I have this huge scar. It looks like a happy face in the back of my head that I'm stuck with the rest of my life. Because there's nobody, there's no hotline. Hey, my hair is thin. I'm sorry. Look, man, this is Hector. I'm here. I'm Cuban from Miami. I have a swag. But my, I'm losing my hair. Like, there's nobody to talk to. No. So that's why I, I put this show around, the Coach HP show, about stuff like this. Yeah, we can fuck mm -hmm. around, whatever. But it's stuff like to help dudes, girls, too, and anything. But just like on stuff like this, man, because I think this shit's important. It's so important. And that's what I'm saying to you is like, you know. Like you talk about that and you talk about living with the scar and you talk about, hey, the rock told him to fuck himself. We talk about authenticity. We talk about being you. Listen, it might just be someone listening. It might be a one way conversation of them hearing us. But at the same time, someone's probably going through that and they connect with that. You know, they're like, man, you know what? Hector's right. Like, I'm just going to do what the fuck I got to do. You know, I'm not going to change myself. This is what I was given. There are worse problems in life. You know what I mean? Certainly way worse problems in life. And I think just, people going through the same things, you know, whether it's waking up, man, I feel like shit today. It's Monday, you know, man, you know what? I, I, I lost money on that football game. Like just finding those little similarities yeah. where you fucking on common ground with those people. Like then it's like, all right, dude, like this guy's, he's like me. Like I like to hear his outlook on something like fucking uh, whatever on the election. You know what I mean? I like to hear his outlook on, 
you know, going on a first date, you know what I mean? And that's where, that's where kind of you build a, a similarity and you kind of, you know, you get on the same playing field and the same, you know, level as your audience, you know, Eddie, watch out. We'll start a show first date. We'll just, <laughs> <laughs> we'll crush it. You know, don't, don't, don't get me started. Two more questions, Eddie. Two more questions. Yeah. You're a Halloween guy. Yeah. You like horror movies. You like Halloween. I, do. I got a great Halloween story for you, but I want to hear your, before I give you mine, I want to hear your favorite that you can remember Halloween story. My favorite Halloween story. Like just, uh, you know what? Halloween is such a different, uh, it's probably the most unique holiday in a sense, because you could remember what you've done at every level. You know what I mean? You start out trick or treating and then you get older, you become a fucking asshole teenager. You're throwing eggs at fucking each other. You know, you're tossing them at cars or using shaving cream. And then at some point, you get older, you do these costume things, and it's, you know, Halloween in college is great, right? The girls look good, you know, and it's 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 always funny seeing, you know, messing with your buddy. And then now you get older, it's like, oh, like now I'm, uh, you kind of phase out of it. It's like, all right, I'm just going to watch some scary movies. So uh, as far as like, uh, there, there's not a great story, I guess I have, but it's more so. It's, actually, I, I'll, I'll give you a good one. It's probably, it, it, it's, it, it was really just cool for me was, I was, I was a junior and my parents, I was a junior in high school. My parents were going out of town to Nashville. They had, my, my dad had, a, had something going on in Nashville and uh, it ended up lining up that it was Halloween. And they're like, ah, it's okay. You're not going to have a party. Yeah. You're not going to have a party. It's on a Wednesday, you know, it's a Wednesday. There's no way you're having a party. I was like, man, you know, we never really had parties. You know, it was always a weekend thing. You know, a couple of people drink on a weekday, maybe once in a while. But this Halloween party I threw my junior year on a Wednesday night was legendary, Hector. It Dude, was, see, you were going to forget about it. Okay, let's talk yeah. about that. <laughs> How did you – was there a DJ? Did you go music? How was the ratio? Let's talk Dude, about that. Ratio was great, man. It was it was definitely even. There was a ton of girls. I went to an all-boys Catholic school. There was a ton of girls from the all-girls Catholic school. Um, and it was actually – I kind of got a great assist – I have two older sisters. One helped me out. I said, hey, you know, would you would you help it out? Because that's a big thing. You need to find out where the beer source is coming from, you know. She right. hooked it up. You know, she got, a, you know, a bunch of beer. And uh, we dumped it into, you know, the coolers or whatever. And we just, uh, we, that you know, that, that was huge. And she sat there, you know, in case the cops came or anything. And she even called me out of school the next day. So it wow. was uh, it was a big assist for my sister. And it was just a lot of people sitting there playing card games, drinking games. And just uh, yeah, music just and and it was it was more definitely one of the most and I and I, I think I could say this for anyone involved. It was definitely one of the more memorable parties people had in high school for sure. Eddie, what rules did you put in the house? Did you put hey man, nobody going obviously going to my parents' room. You can't go there. Well, how'd you set that up? It's interesting because we talked about it and and my sister's like, what do you think about smoking? It's like, well, obviously go outside. They're like, I don't know though. If people go outside that cause weed or cigarettes. Just, just cigarettes at this point. Okay. okay. Because it, it was just, just cigarettes. I went to a, a, my the Catholic school I went to. They did hair tests, Hector. You got hair nice. tests. Yeah. Nice. So it was uh, a lot of people didn't smoke because it was you know you're gonna get kicked out yeah, of school. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, big time. So at that time it was just cigarettes. So I was like, what should we do about the cigarettes? You know. And uh, my sister's like, I don't know. I don't like the you know people outside that draws that draws attention, which attention. it does. She's like, just have them smoke inside. I was like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. So it was like a pub, man. It was like an old cool bar. <laughs> There's cigarettes everywhere. My parents come home that Friday. Like, man, it smells like cigarettes. And I was like, ah, you think so? 
I was like, I wonder what happened. You know, the next door neighbor, he smokes, is probably probably drafting in. You, know? oh, you have two older sisters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you ever hook up with any of your sister's friends? Um, no, no, I didn't. I, I hooked up with definitely someone that they were the, the same age. And actually, there was a girl who was in the same grade as her. They went to the same school. And I remember she called she, she called my, my house phone back in the day, which kids don't realize it nowadays. She called my house phone. My sister answered. And as soon as, I, as she answered, she said, she's on the phone. I said, okay. And I, and I took the phone call. Then I hung up. She came right to my room. She's like, you better not be fucking doing what I think you're doing. And pretty much scared the shit out of me. So I dropped it right there. Oh, <laughs> I dropped it right there. Hey, people don't know what it's like to, they're tapping your phone. Your mom's tapping your phone. Dude, you're, yeah. tapping your phone you're like, oh. She's like, you're not meeting up with her. I was like, yeah, no, no, no. That was just, uh, you know, whatever. I vividly remember that. I backed off right there. Dude, what a, that, so how long were people talking about that party after you had it? Dude, a long time. That was that that was that was a great one. And there's still a couple pictures on Facebook, so it's pretty sweet. What did you start rocking the beard? You know, I just go back and forth. I just kind of uh, you know, some sometimes I, I just shave it off, sometimes I don't. It's not really I guess it's not really a look, you know what I mean? Like I don't think like oh, I'm a beard guy. Like I don't go to like I don't trim it up and uh, you know, you put all the, the good shit that smells nice. Clippers to trim it, or what do you do? Yeah, I go to like 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 you you you're a beard guy, right? I could tell. I have no hair, bro. I gotta I gotta do the beard, and it looks good. It looks good, and 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 it's one of those things where like yeah, I just go and I have my barber trim it up when he does my hair. You know what I mean? So it's not never when I, I like I never like go with the design, but you know next time I go it'll be a lot shorter, just kind of like that. You don't have like clippers and trimmers in your house that you don't hit it with. I do, but I'm always gonna fuck it up. You know what I mean? I always don't like how I do it. So at this point, I usually just wait till I get a haircut. How often do you get a haircut? Probably once a month. But you're rocking hats always, huh? You never wear your hair. No, I, I, I wear my hat probably the most out of the people in the office, for sure. Yeah. Out of the four of us, yeah. I, I'll, I'll rock the hair a lot. My hair's okay. What's favorite hat that you have? You know, I like to get a lot of the local spots. You know, I like to go to the the, the random like beef stand and get a hat from them. Hey, how much for a hat? Like, we don't sell hats. Well, how about you know you're wearing one on your head? You know, I'm, you know what I mean. There's got to be one in the back somewhere. I'll okay. give you I'll give you fifteen bucks cash for it. You know, I'll do some of that. But you know, I got I got a, a couple cool Jordan hats that I really like. Um, obviously, I'm always rocking Bears hats. Barstool's got a bunch of good hats. Um, uh, but I have this nice Jordan, uh, like kind of baby blue hat that I really like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Eddie, two more questions, bro. I'm going to tell you my Halloween story real quick. Oh, I love it. You're going to love this. So I'm in Los Angeles, and I always look at the signs of life, bro. Mm -hmm. and my whole life growing up, especially when I had hair, people compared me to Stephen Bauer, which is Manolo in Scarface. My whole life, people are like, man, you remind me of Manolo from Scarface, Manolo from Scarface, Manolo from Scarface. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm acting. I'm in a dude that had a TV show with, that actually directed a student film with me here. We're in Los Angeles, we're at a bar. And he comes and goes, oh my God, look, there's, there's uh, Stephen Bauer. We were in the same movie together. I was like, oh really? Bro, and he introduced me to the guy. This is like, and we're talking about Stephen Bauer for us. It was like Jose Canseco. Oh yeah. Growing up in the eighties because he did a show called Que Pasa USA, which is the one of the greatest, shows because it's in spanglish 
It's about a Cuban-American family that comes in exile from Cuba to Miami. The grandparents don't speak English. The parents speak English and Spanish, and you have the teenagers. And this dude was the guy. Talking about Steven, six foot two. His real name is Esteban Echevarria, and he changes it to Stephen Bauer because his mom, her maternal name is Bauer because her answer, she's uh, German-Jewish. So this dude comes, and I meet him. And I had been reciting Scarface. If you're Cuban, you recite Scarface for fun. <laughs> In high school, you know, it'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing you recite. All of a sudden, I hit it off with this guy, and we become boys. I have a place. Stephen Bauer lives in an air mattress in my place for three months. I didn't charge him rent, nothing. He slept in an air mattress at my place. Wow. He was one of the best actors. Talk about his life is so interesting, man. You know who Stella Adler was? That sounds familiar. Stella Adler was the greatest, probably one of the greatest acting coaches of all time. She taught Marlon Brando. She taught, she's up there. And then you have the guy who Pacino did, who he put in The Godfather. These are like the greatest acting coach of all time. She came and she fell in love with this dude. And she branded him like, you're going to be the next this person. So Stephen comes. He's in Miami, University of Miami, acting with Ray Liotta to see who becomes the star of, uh, of Mice and Men. Mm. And he beats out Ray Liotta, this whole thing. So... He goes to his to his dad, Cuban kid from Miami. He's never left Miami. He goes, you see this? He sees a Playboy centerfold. And the Playboy centerfold is Don Johnson with Melanie Griffin. And he goes to his dad. Dad, you see this girl right here? This is the woman I want to be with. Okay? Talk about yeah. foreshadowing, whatever, whatever. This guy gets casted, Eddie, in a movie in Los Angeles. It's a guy in the army. Surrounded by three women that fall in love with him. Okay. He's in hair and makeup. We're talking about six foot two Cuban, good looking dude, full set of hair, the whole swag, everything. <laughs> He's doing makeup. He looks at the call sheet and goes to the makeup lady. Holy shit. Melanie Griffiths in this movie? They're like, yeah, she's a star. Eddie, I kid you not. He told me like this. She saw him. He fucked her that night. <laughs> okay? Now here's where it gets interesting. You're going to appreciate this. Here's where it gets interesting. He starts becoming the guy in Hollywood. Scarface hadn't come out yet because Scarface got boycotted a lot by the Cubans. Oh, really? They were like, fuck, dude, where the majority of Cubans that came here were super hardworking guys that ended up being oh, yeah. super, super successful. And then here you have these... These characters that are, yeah, a, a portion of the community, but it's not us. So actually, Oliver Stone had to move the movie to, he wrote it. Oliver Stone, Brian De Palma, uh, Marty Brick, they had to move it to Los Angeles. Oh, so wow. Parts that looks like Miami, but it's Los Angeles. Because the community, the Cubans, you kept boycotting. So this dude comes, and he goes there to Los Angeles, and he starts popping off, popping off, popping off, popping off. And... Melanie Griffin, who was like the Lindsay Lohan of her time, goes to uh, her management, actually goes to him and goes, listen, dude, have fun with this chick. Do whatever you want to do. Don't get involved with her, bro. 
kind of like wow. this going, hit this, have a good time, but don't get it wrong. She was huge. She was like, remember, she became she was like a kid actor. She became super famous. She was doing threesomes like at the age of like 18 or something. Yeah. <laughs> crazy hey, life. Living a super crazy life. He didn't listen, Eddie. He settles in with her. You're like, okay, you settled in with her. Perfect. Don't fucking marry this chick, bro. Please. Eddie, he marries her. They have a kid together. Okay. Now, I'll never forget Stephen telling me the story. He goes, listen, bro, because the hardest thing, and the reason why I talk to you a lot is you're 31. I don't want you living with any regret. You got yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah. The hardest thing, bro. This dude sat there, one of the biggest actors of all time, had all his potential in the world, especially after Scarface hit. But his addiction to drugs just killed him, man. And he goes, so I'll never forget him telling me this. He goes, bro, I used to have Warren Beatty tell me all the time, man, why don't you come to the house? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about movies. Let's talk about your career. And I relate this to you because you, Howard Stern, Dave Plum, yeah. looking at positive things. He goes, dude, I did the total opposite. I was like, fuck that. I was fucking around Melanie Griffin 24-7. You know who was at his house 24-7? Sean Penn. And look at the difference in careers, man. While being super, super fucking talented, because nobody's more talented than Stephen Bauer. That dude was a monster. Yeah. But like a real actor, but just... And it's 31. You're at the point. Do I fall off the wagon with excuses? COVID. They're not really giving me my show anymore. Or... Do I fix it and go, I'm an animal. I'm going to work this out. Yeah. You know, let's get to the Halloween story real quick, Eddie. He came and he's living with me. He goes, listen, I got invited. We're going to go to Halloween. We're going to go to the Playboy Mansion. I never <laughs> been to the Playboy Mansion before. This is a, this is a year, Eddie, of me living in my car, bro. Not only <laughs> now I'm hanging out with Stephen Bauer 24 seven. Cause I'm, he's living with me for free. I'm not charging him rent, obviously. So he's like, okay. So I'm not a big costume guy. I've never been a big costume guy. So I go, fuck it. I had a, I was, I became a celebrity baseball coach in Los Angeles. People already knew me for, I became like the kid whisperer. That's what I'm known for. So I grabbed like a Dodger thing. I put a backward Dodgers hat. I look cool with some baseball pants and I became this. This dude comes out. This is where you kind of, it's kind of funny and you kind of feel bad for him, Eddie. He dressed, comes out dressed up like with a button-down shirt, hair slicked back, like with some Ray-Bans on, whatever. And I, I, I go, oh, are you ready? He goes, I, but you're not going to get dressed? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go as me. I go, but who's you? I goes, oh, I'm going to go as Manolo from Scarface. I'm like, oh, my God, bro. That would be the equivalent, I don't know, of like uh, fucking, what's this guy's name? Um, Any character, like this guy going as a Beetlejuice. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You don't want to do that, bro. No, no, no. Not and at his all. He was so fucked up, Eddie. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go as me and Scarf. As my own Scarf. I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, bro. I was like, all right, fuck it. So we go at the Playboy Mansion. The parking there, you can't park there. Because there's so many there's so many uh, cars. There's only so much room. So what Hugh Hefner would do is he would have shuttle buses. Shuttle people in and drop them off. So everybody knows Scarface and everybody knows Tim Bauer. So as we're getting on the bus, I never forget the dudes from Entourage were there. So we're all there in a group. And it's literally the guys, the girls, friends, everybody's literally it's like, a, like a little kid field trip. You're all going to the Playboy Mansion together, together. When you pull off there, there's a checkpoint that you, to check the names off the list so people don't sneak in. When the lady who was doing the costumes or doing the checklist looked at Stephen and goes, Stephen, no, no. Who are you? Who are you? 
He's like, I'm me. I'm Manolo from Scarface. I said, no, you're not, Steven. No, no, no. So Eddie, she went to the car and pulled out Harry Potter, a Harry Potter costume, but for <laughs> girls. So what, so what this guy did was he pulls out a Harry, the, the sweater and puts it over his thing, kind of like a polo, like the, you know how the rich people do, like the upscale people? They put like the sweater, they knit it. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, he did that and he grabbed a Freddy Krueger claw that she had and he put it on in reverse and he spent <laughs> the whole night like that dude. Oh so, my gosh. That's you, a, that's that's my Halloween story, man. You tried to warn him, man. You tried to help him out. Hey, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> homie. I tried to hook him up. <laughs> Eddie, I think, dude, the to be really honest with me, I think sky's the limit with you. I wish you nothing but continued success, man. Uh, I hope you find the happiness that it looks like I think you have, that you continue to have that happiness, dude, that more and more people see how you do your special part of the Dave Portnoy show, which is super hard, but you don't ask for credit for it, which a lot of people will make that mistake and then they'll get off the show. Mm. But you understand your role, man, and that's key, man. Before we go, anything I can help you with, man? Any questions for me? Dude, yeah. No, this is, this is cool, man. I, I mean, I have... Uh... I have a million questions about your time in Vegas, LA, for sure. So we'll have to do a reverse sometime. You'll have to come on Sirius or come on my show sometime. Want, we'll we'll do it for sure. Yeah. Whatever you want, dude. Where can the people find you? Uh, Eddie Barstool is my Twitter handle. It's also my Instagram handle. More active on Twitter. I'm trying to up my IG game, but I'm just not that great. Social media is just, you know, that's something that came with the job. I enjoy doing the radio thing. The social media shit, I could fucking, you know. I can leave that in a lake, but I know it's part of the gig. Uh, so you can find me there. Uh, the Dog Walk is the podcast, the Dave Portnoy Show, Redline Radio, and SiriusXM. We're on from 2 to 3 Central every uh, every day. You're the man. Don't hang up. I'm going to say bye to you the right way, okay? Stay right there. All right. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.